0: Hey Rockheads, quit spraying your bugs with Deep Woods Off and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 316 with guest Matthew Manella, recorded live Saturday, January 5th, 2008. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. The leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com And now, the man who takes Mondays with a grain of salt and a
1: glass of bourbon, Carl Franklin. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lawrence. Your jokes just keep getting better and better and better. Who writes that shit anyway? And why isn't that guy uh, on Mondays? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. How are you, Rich? I'm Richard? doing very, very well. We're trying to uh, swim our way around in Connecticut here. Rain is just dumping down on us. It happens, you know, and it comes in the form of slush rain. Right. Hey, man, uh, we got a busy show today. We've got two guests, so why don't we just get right into Better Know Framework? All right, what do you got for me? Well, um, what I have today is nullable of T. So this is a generic class, and it's really only useful for value types because reference types are nullable anyway. And nullable meaning that they can have a state where they don't exist. Like, you know, Visual Basic has the nothing command. Uh, You set an object to nothing. Um, You know the concept of a null in a database field, right? Yeah, of course, an unknown value. An unknown value. That's right, and it and it usually only works for reference values because uh, value types have you know can be zero. Usually, the numeric value types can be zero, and zero is a value. So, uh, so there has to be. So, if you want to make a value type null, and you want to give it that extra state of not having a value, you basically pass it into a nullable, and then you get that extra state. So, nullable of T. Awesome. Now we don't have an email today, is that right? Because we have a, a busy show. We got a long show, so I'll skip the email this time around. I'll have one for the uh, for next week. Well, before we bring on the guests, we have a special treat for our listeners. Uh, Scott Guthrie is with us to talk about uh, what we can expect to uh, to see and mix this year. Hi, Scott. Welcome to the show.
2: Well, thanks for having me.
1: Shall I say welcome back? It's
2: been a- <laughs> well. Thanks for having me back.
1: Yeah. So what's going on?
2: No, it's uh it's uh, busy here in redmond but uh you know things things are uh going pretty well it's uh, uh we got v s two thousand eight and net three five um and i s seven as part of windows server two thousand and eight launching uh in early march around the world so we got I think something like three hundred thousand people are attending the launch events all over the place mm. um which is gonna be really great um and you know we're feeling really good about the release and uh initial feedback on it so that's been great and uh, then at MIX, you're gonna, we're, which is in a couple weeks now, uh, we're gonna be talking about uh, a whole bunch of new technology that is uh, built on top of that foundation. So it, you know, uh, things like Silverlight 2, um, as well as uh, improvements to ASP.NET, as well as improvements to WPF um, that all work with VS 2008 and are uh, compatible. Um, in the case of Silverlight, compatible subset of .NET 3.5. Um, and in the case of WPF, um, you know, adds more goodness on top of .NET three five. So uh, exciting times, <laughs> busy times as well.
3: As a server guy, I am totally stoked about IIS seven.
2: Yeah, uh, you should be. It's it's a pretty impressive product. It's uh, um, definitely I think the biggest release of IIS that we've done since the very first version. You know, it's it's a major overhaul of how we do configuration. You know, tons of new management features. Uh, lots of great hosting features um you, know, you you can basically uh you know keep an eye automatically on your box and send notifications when problems are occurring you know turn on automatic tracing if you know the, the system detects that there's problems going on and save out a trace log of details about the failed requests it's you know much more scalable much more manageable and you know we did all of that and uh, at the same time managed to maintain uh, compatibility so that all your existing scripts and apps still work, and so it's a, it's a pretty nice package. I think I'm pretty excited by
1: it. You know, once you guys got HTTP Sys down in the lower rings, I thought, well, where can you go from there? <laughs> <laughs> that was just astronomically cool.
2: Yeah, it's I mean the the, the uh, seven's been running on Microsoft.com for uh, probably over six months now, and so you know they're deploying it on you know, one of the top five websites in the world in terms of traffic. And, uh, you know, it just had, you know, great results in terms of performance, but also just from a a management perspective, you know, they're now able to quickly roll out, you know, uh, across a web farm, you know, updates to their apps in a fraction of the time that that used to take them. And they were able to throw away tons of custom scripts and tools that they had written to help with managing that because it's now just sort of built into the core, which is, you know, kind of our goal all along, and it's been nice to see it kind of uh, cleanly validated.
1: There any improvements in, um, in for developers with IIS 7?
2: Well, the biggest thing I think with IIS 7 from a developer perspective is the fact that we've kind of integrated uh, ASP.NET and the overall .NET framework really nicely with the core server. So, you know, in the past with IIS, if you wanted to do things like um, URL rewriting or you wanted to do custom authentication, Or, you know, let's say you wanted to provide, um, you know, like forms authentication to classic ASP pages or to uh, JPEG files on disk or, you know, some kind of custom document type that wasn't an ASPX file. You know, it was was much harder to do that with IS 6 and almost impossible to do that with IS 5. And, you know, in a lot of cases, you had to write an ISAPI extension or filter, and you could only do those in C++. Huh. And so with IS 7, you can now write uh, what we call an HTTP module or an HTTP handler, which are the exact same APIs that exist in ASP.NET today. But you can now write that and have it be processed for every request into the web server. Wow! And so yeah, you can now write an HTTP module and do everything that it used to require you know a SAPI filter to do, but you can now do in VB or C# Sharp, um, and you know process it for all requests. Fabulous. Yeah, so that you know that, that's that's an example from a developer perspective. You know the other big benefits are um you know at the configuration system level um as well as uh in the admin tool yeah, as well as at the management level. It's all .net. And so again you can plug in, you can extend the system, customize it and get huge benefits. And then just the last thing which is just kind of a, from a an, you know when we're building apps uh for the web, you know it's not only just coding the features, it's also figuring out how to deploy them. You know, the other nice thing is because now not just ASP.NET settings are in web.config files, but also all the IIS settings are in web.config files, it's much easier to go ahead and copy an app up onto a box, to version it, to do updates to it. Um, You know, all of that gets a lot easier. You don't have to write custom ADSI scripts or, you know, anything special in order to deploy an app. You can now just X-copy it up in all settings, both IIS and ASP.NET, copy with it.
3: And I look at the IIS seven now in combination with PowerShell. You can provision everything from scratch out of a script.
2: Yeah, and and IIS seven has built-in PowerShell support. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, you can you can customize it with a script. We also just shipped a, a new tool we call the IIS um, Web Deployment Tool, and that actually works over HTTP. So it'll work through firewalls. You can go against a remote hoster site. And it allows you to basically take a local app and say sync it to that remote server. And it'll basically copy the app onto the server. And what's nice is it has all the smarts built in. So for example, let's say you only changed five files of a thousand files in the app, it only copies those five files that changed. Wow,
3: way smarter. When you get into big sites, that's a huge deal.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. If you have if you have, you know, a typical site of thirty or forty megs of content, making a change is a real pain. Um, it also does web farm management, so you can go ahead and roll out the deployment across multiple machines simultaneously. And it also has the ability to say uh, version this app. So in other words, say this is version four of the app, and if you you know start to roll out version five and say, oh crap, I missed, I made a mistake, you know, you can go ahead and you know quickly say roll back to version four, and it'll go ahead and, and snap it back to the previous version. So you know all that. Um, you know, you get with IS seven. You know, it gives you just sort of a great platform to build on top of, and uh, um, you know, on the web server side, really gives us a ton of innovation to kind of build on top of.
1: Now, let's talk Silverlight for a minute. Uh, Silverlight two, obviously, big story. Yep. Um, lots of lots of great new features. Uh, a couple of questions. First of all, are we going to see some sort of uh, beta release or CTP release? And second of all, what does the size
4: look like?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. So good, both good questions. Um, yeah, we we are looking to have a release very shortly. Um, you know, we've kind of we've kind of uh, been a little silent in terms of the features. We want to save up uh, a few surprises. Um, yeah, you know, I think what you're you know a lot of people have looked at say the one one alpha mm. that we had, which is you know nine or ten months old or eight or nine months old now, and yeah, you know, it, it was definitely an alpha, and so it, while it had kind of core graphic support and the very basics of a control model, it you know, didn't have a lot of the higher-level WPF features. Like, it didn't have layout management. So if you wanted to do, like, flow layout of controls, you couldn't do that. You had to actually write the code to readjust them on the page, you know, when things moved. Uh-huh. Um, it didn't have data binding support. So if you wanted to update things or have, like, a list of things, you had to write a lot of procedural code to make that happen. It didn't have styles and templates, uh, which are two of the most powerful features in WPF, right. and really let you kind of customize and um, change the default look and feel of UI controls. And it just didn't have a lot of built-in controls, so you know it, it didn't have a text box or a button or a data grid or calendar and things like that. So you know you're going to see all those features show up with Silverlight 2. Yeah, and that dramatically um, simplifies the development experience because you n- suddenly now have a lot more higher level features to take advantage of and uh, lets you build you know much cooler apps. And so we're going to be talking about all those features um, at mix and showing them off. and
1: um, with those new features, does that mean we have new designers too new expression SKUs?
2: Yeah, you'll have you know new tools in both Visual Studio and expression to, to take advantage of those new features um and be able to start building apps with them. Wonderful. Yeah.
1: So the size issue, it does yeah. matter,
2: I've heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, size is uh is obviously a critical thing um on the web uh you know both in terms of two two aspects. One is what's the download size for the Silverlight runtime? Yeah. So in other words, how quickly can you get it on a box? Mm. And then also what's the size of the apps that you build with Silverlight? Mm-hmm. You know, are these a megabyte apps that would be bad? Um uh, you know, in terms of the download size, you know, our kind of core goal um, all along with Silverlight is, you know, have it be a very tight, small download so that, you know, the average person on the web uh, you know, can download and install it in, you know, not much time at all, you know, short number of seconds as opposed to a minute or more.
3: Well, the, so- I mean, the the 1.0 Silverlight is like a megabyte. It's an eye blink on a decent broadband yeah. connection. Yeah, I mean, yeah
2: so Silverlight one zero is, is one megabyte all up. Um, you'll see Silverlight two zero is a little bit bigger because we're including the CLR and we're including .NET. But it's uh, it's for the amount of features that are in it, I think a lot of people are going to be very pleasantly surprised at how small it is. We spent a lot of time focusing on size and the install experience. I can say, uh, you know, our design goal is it should be able to install in six to eight seconds. Wow. So it's very it doesn't take long to install. Um and we did a lot of work optimizing that. So
3: And I'd much rather install that framework once and keep the app small, right? Than to have every app end up being bigger because we had to build so much stuff to make it work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, because things like all those controls features that I mentioned are built in, you don't have to redisc those with the app. So the other nice thing is that the apps that you build with Silverlight, you know, can be small. In many cases, most cases probably you know, they'll be smaller than the HTML AJAX equivalent in terms of download size.
3: I'm, nice. and I'm, I'm finding Silverlight very interesting. As it looks like it's going to be the bridge to WPF rather than the other way around, that folks are jumping on the Silverlight bandwagon and learning WPF as a consequence, or at least a subset of it.
2: Yeah, I think I think you're going to see that. Um, I actually think Silverlight's going to accelerate the WPF um, adoption uh, because you know a lot of people are looking for you know, ways that you can either build, uh, consumer facing experiences. And obviously the web is pretty critical with that. And, you know, Silverlight, both because of the deployment characteristics, um, as well as the cross platform characteristics makes it a very compelling platform to build, you know, frankly, 90% of the kind of consumer web experiences that are out there today. Um, and then I also, I think for, for companies that want to build, you know, tr- traditional forms over data scenarios, Um, You know, Silverlight's also very nice because it does run in the browser. You know, it does have a very friction-free deployment model, but it lets you do things richer than you could do with pure AJAX and HTML.
3: We're seeing very smart client-looking apps in Silverlight.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're going to see kind of, again, those traditional kind of, you know, data entry apps, uh, grid-style apps that, that, you know, you can kind of build with AJAX today, but because HTML doesn't necessarily doesn't really have a, a encapsulation model, you know, building a data grid in AJAX with the type of interactivity that you get with say WPF or Windows Forms or, or even VB6, you know, is hard. You know, that's a lot of JavaScript, and you know, you can put other JavaScript on the page that's going to collide with it and cause problems. And so, obviously, people do it, but. You know, because they want the deployment characteristics of it's just a browser app, but it's not necessarily very easy. I think there's something kind of compelling about, you know, going into XAML and saying data grid, you know, name equals my data grid, close bracket, and it works.
3: Yeah, bind this. Next.
2: <laughs> you know, and, and now I have, you know, I can scroll, I can page, I can data bind objects to it. I can do updates and I get validation. You know, that that's a lot easier than what you might otherwise have to do.
1: You mentioned Scott, the things playing nice together on the same page. Do we have uh, a nice integration between ASP.NET AJAX and Silverlight too? Can I have both on the same page working in harmony? Be- yes, yeah, absolutely. Harmony. I mean,
2: One of the things that we've done with Silverlight, uh, too, is uh, enable what we call kind of an HTML scripting bridge. And that basically allows JavaScript to call into Silverlight and for Silverlight to call out into JavaScript. Nice. And so absolutely you can have JavaScript on the page, including obviously ASP.NET Ajax, um, and communicate back and forth with Silverlight. We're also doing a lot of work um, in terms of enabling Silverlight to be hosted inside an ASP.NET app. So right. we have ASP.NET-specific controls that can host Silverlight um, apps, and then we're also exposing um, all the ASP.NET networking features, so ASMX-based web services, uh, SVC or WCF-based web services, Wow. Um, as well as the application services in ASP.NET. You can call all those from Silverlight on the client. Well, people
3: so tend cool. to think about Silverlight as a client visualization technology, wow. but with 2.0... If I understand what you're saying here, it could be completely in the background yet still on the browser, handling interaction between a standard HTML client and, say, web services calls.
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, we've seen we're seeing some. I mean, you can certainly use Silverlight for uh, the UI piece. Um, you know, where, where you know, like the the text box and the radio button and checkboxes and grid are rendered by Silverlight. Right. But yeah, you can you can also go ahead and uh, use this sort of HTML scripting bridge where, you know, effectively the Silverlight control is a zero-pixel control that's just on the page but isn't visible on the page. And you're using HTML to render all your UI, but you're using Silverlight for the networking communication stack.
3: Well, and I'm just thinking I have an existing code base of, say, validation in C that I could now deploy down to the browser – and utilize that code base without having to rewrite it into JavaScript or without having right. to make server-side calls to validate.
2: Mm. Yep. Yeah, no, def- definitely. Um, and, you know, and, and you know, ServerLite has a full async networking stack. It has link. It has link to XML. It wow. has wow. know, a lot of cool features you can use inside the browser. So, That's awesome. So, that yeah, is so awesome. It's, it's going to open up lots of, uh, you know, lots of cool possibilities. And the great thing is, you know, you're using .NET everywhere. You're using .NET on the server you're using .net on the client inside the browser and if you want to you know you can take the same code in silverlight because it's it's a subset that's compatible with the full .net framework and with the full WPF you know you can take that code and you can use it to build a desktop windows app either standalone or one integrated into office so i think from a developer perspective that kind of skills reuse is incredibly powerful because it means that you know you can build any type of app and you know, you already have a base understanding of how to do all of them because you just know .NET.
1: Scott, do you have any uh, early adopter success stories that you can share with us?
2: Uh, for Silverlight 1.0 or Silverlight
1: 2.0? Silverlight 2.0 or or uh, any anything.
2: I think, yeah, if you come to Mix, um, I think you're going to see uh, some pretty cool apps that have been built with Silverlight 2.0. Um, uh, a few kind of, you know, ones that should uh, drop a few draws in terms of experiences. Uh, we announced one of them at the computer electronic or CES show in January, which is the Olympics. Ah. Uh, and so the Olympics um, site for NBC um, is going to be powered by Silverlight. It's going to be a Silverlight 2 app. Wow. And, uh you know, it's going to be a pretty powerful uh, <laughs> pretty app awesome. in terms of experience, and you know, we expect it to be the most popular web event um, on the internet of all time. So, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's going to be. A, <laughs> so, a you, what you're saying is, you're not
3: shooting low here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was
2: yeah. It's, say. You know, we, we figured why not start? You know, with the. Most ambitious uh, scenario first. Yeah, so. the
3: most watched thing on the Internet in history. Yeah, that's a good shot. <laughs> I like yeah, that. You know, that's, that's, that's
2: always good for your 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 first big app. Um, <laughs> not bad. Not but, bad. Uh, yeah, so that's one example. <laughs> um, there's lots of others that you're going to see uh, at Mix, um, some pretty cool um, experiences that have been built. And obviously with Silverlight 1.0, we've had a lot of deployments as well, uh, like the Grammys right. last night. Uh, you know, Entertainment Online did all the, the online Grammys, the wow. Oscars. Uh, major league baseball, right. um NBA dot com. Yeah, there's there's lots of uh of course, you know, pretty big sites that uh have deployed uh like content over the last couple months. A lot of T
1: V networks are using it for real time streaming now.
2: Yeah, a lot of T V networks um you know what's cool is not just T V network networks in the US um but also internationally. And so you know it's cool to be able to watch Korean news yeah. um, in your browser, even though you can't <laughs> really understand it. Um, you know, running on Silverlight. You know, there's there's a cool video on demand uh, site in Japan where you can actually rent movies and watch them online inside the browser. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it's it's fun. It's fun when you've uh, you know when you've come from like a a server background, especially like where, you know where I have historically. You know, I have lots of great customers, very important customers. You know, sometimes it's banking apps and you know critical, very hardcore engineering things. But there's something really cool about watching a video of you know some guy dunking a basketball.
1: And there are those crackpots who like record Steely Dan songs at 3 o'clock in the morning, play all the instruments and sing them, and then make Silverlight videos out of that.
2: Exactly. See, that's <laughs> the thing that
1: that, that makes my who would job do that? worthwhile. Who would do that? <laughs> who would do that? Yeah.
3: <laughs> all right, gear change. Uh, the model view controller. Yep. So yeah. far, all we've really seen from you is that you you, at alt.net, out of the blue, you dropped this huge bomb on us. Are we going <laughs> to see something new at Mix? More to it?
2: Yes. Yeah, no, no. You'll definitely uh, see a lot more um, coming at Mix about the ASP.net NBC thing. Uh, I actually did a whole bunch of blog posts in December, like, like 160 pages worth of content. Good Lord. Yeah, it was, it was a busy week. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. So if you are interested in learning more about the ASP.net NBC framework, definitely check out my blog. And just um, for the
3: record, I know you and I, Scott, have talked about this at conferences. You write this blog. Yes, yeah. this is you. <laughs> you this stay up all night writing this
2: thing. Sometimes. Yes, yeah, so for the NBC one, that was uh, that was a pretty busy week. I was pretty burned out at the end of the week writing that thing. Uh, but yeah, I know I write every blog post I do. So, uh, so pretty much um, you don't
1: sleep. Pretty much.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Power sleeps bars. For, yeah. Sleeps for wimps. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you sleep when you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm actually going to be doing a blog post uh probably by the time that this recording's out. I'm uh, talking a little about some of the updates that we're doing uh with the MVC framework. Um uh, and we'll, specifically we will have a new um, version that will uh ship uh, at Mix. And so um you know, we've we've incorporated a lot of great feedback um from people that have been using the December CTP and I think people are going to be pretty happy with uh the list of uh, changes that we're making. Um, you know, we're going to make it, for example, web deployable inside the bin directory, so you don't have to register anything on a server, um, which is great for hosting scenarios, and it's great for you know uh, scenarios where you know you don't want to necessarily have to convince the server administrator to run a setup program. Right. Um, we're uh, making a lot of improvements to the routing engine. Uh, So things like wildcard routes, named routes, uh, nested routes, a whole bunch of pretty cool features that kind of complete the overall uh, routing infrastructure will be done. Uh, We're doing away with the need to have the controller action attribute. Um, A lot of people said, I just want to have public methods and have those be uh, considered actions on the controller. Um, We said, okay, we'll do that. It Um, seems to me
3: that this has been one of the most publicly accessible development projects you've ever done. You, you showed the very earliest bits, and then immediately started incorporating feedback. It's really fascinating for me to watch.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's um it's been it definitely been fun in the sense of, um, you know, it, it's it's people are pretty excited about it, and um, you know, especially when you show something very early, you know, sometimes you get different bits of feedback. You know, people are going, well, you know, I don't know you know, you know, I'll use this when it ships in a couple of years or whatever, you know, we've tried to, with this project, really incorporate the feedback and, you know, have a very iterative, um, agile-based development process. And so, you know, I'd say that the feedback's been great. And uh, I think, you know, our ability, especially when people, uh, you know, read the blog post I'm doing about some of the mix changes, I think there also, there's going to be a lot of, wow, I can't believe they did that um, kind of response in terms of, you know, pushing the boundaries of what people often traditionally don't think of—you um, know—us necessarily supporting. You know, like one of the things that right. we're looking at trying to do is uh, to enable. Uh, you know, we'll actually ship the source code to the MVC framework, and we're actually going to ship buildable source, so that you know, hey, if you want to, if you've got some kind of bug fix during the beta process that you want to make because you're, you've got an app that's gone live, you know, you'll have the ability if you want to. You know, hopefully you don't need to, but you, have, you will have the ability to actually make your own change and rebuild it and, again, deploy it in the bin directory of your app, um, which gives you a lot of flexibility if you're starting a new project or you, you want to have the control and the option to be able to do that.
1: Do you know the perfect formula for building and managing websites? Follow me here. Zero effort plus Sitefinity CMS equals infinity in website development. That's right, Telerik challenges you to explore its innovative Sitefinity content management system and offers you a chance to win a sleek Zune MP3 player or a Sitefinity license. These cool awards could be yours if you only answer a few easy questions about Telerik Sitefinity CMS. All you have to do is watch five short movies and see how easy it is to build infinitely beautiful websites with zero effort. You'll learn some cool facts about Sitefinity and the effortless creation of websites. So go to www.sitefinity.com and give it a try. It's fun, it's interesting, and it can get you a free license or a free Zoom. You guys are showing so much stuff at Mix. Are you going to have anything left to save for TechEd?
2: For <laughs> <laughs> much <laughs> less PDC. Time here, huh?
1: pdc for that matter right
2: yeah um no we'll have we'll we should have uh you know we'll have yet more stuff at tech ed in terms <laughs> of hopefully not new new stuff in the sense of you know brand new apis that people need to learn but right. you know tech ed in june you know you'll see uh you know all these projects silverlight 2 MVC, wpf right. um yeah, you know, You'll basically see kind of the next rev of each of those you know, as we continue to kind of incorporate feedback and make them even better.
1: But Mix certainly is a, a very exciting conference to go to. I know that um, a lot of my developer friends would rather go to Mix. You know, if they had to choose between the two, Mix just seems to have the buzz and the, the web stuff and the design and, and all of that. That uh, yeah, it's a great conference. Yeah, it should be fun.
3: It should be fun. Um, what about this ASP dyna- uh, dynamic data? Mm-hmm. What are you guys up to there?
2: Well, that's um, that's also uh, an, ad- an add-on or extension to um, ASP.NET 3.5. So the .NET 3.5 VS 2008 that we're working on. Right. And basically what that lets you do is um, sort of designed to let you build uh, data-focused websites um, very fast and very easily. So you can start with a link to SQL or a link to entities data model. So you can define your data model however you want. You can add any business rules or business validations you want into the data, you know, model and the entity layer, um, and then you can go ahead and say create a website off of it. And
3: this sounds very Rails like. Yeah, I was going to say.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it incorporates a lot of scaffolding aspects. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, where it's a little different is uh, for the dynamic data that that um, that's in. Uh, that we've been showing, one of the nice things about it is it leverages the ASP.NET control model um, when you're using it in a Webforms app. We'll also support an MVC version as well. Right. Um, but inside the Webforms app, it basically allows you to um, get use some of our existing data controls and get automatic UI from it. And you get much more functionality than you would, say, um, with a PHP or, say, a, a, you know, a Rails-based scaffold. So, you know, like paging, sorting, editing, you know, Uh, Well, this has always
3: been the strength of ASP.NET is this great control ecosystem so that I got so many features just by dropping that control in.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then with the data framework, you can go in and customize them. Uh, We're not necessarily doing code generation. We actually have kind of a nice template customization approach. Um, And so you can go in and very easily tweak the UI and customize it. So you you can change the UI to look completely custom if you want. But the the overall approach we're taking kind of is designed so that as your data model changes or as your project changes, you're not having to regenerate or recode a lot of stuff. So it ends up, again, sort of helping in building um, you know, a certain class of data applications. It's, it's not going to be for everything, but because it uses the same link-to-SQL, link-to-entities data model, it uses the same UI controls that you're familiar with with ASP.NET, you know, even if your app outgrows its usage, you're using the same core concepts that you would use if you're writing it from scratch.
3: Yeah, it sounds like a great prototyper and probably even deployable in the first initial revs. But as things scale up, you're going to have to break down some bits and deal with the scalability issues around it.
2: I don't think you're going to see so much performance scalability issues because it's using the same core thing. I don't right. think you're going to see that the performance-wise it's bad. I think there'll be times when you'll say, "You know what? I'm going to add some completely custom UI." Right. And at that point, great. Just say file new. ASP.NET page, and you can you know copy and paste where you're at, um, but modify the page however you want, add any custom logic you want to the page, um, and and completely override it. But you know you don't have to do that from the very get go. So again, it's it's very good to get started with projects. You can adapt them. You might choose to use the default scaffolding UI. You can customize the scaffolding UI, and then if you want to completely customize it, you can just override the page itself. So I think, you know, I think mm. it's going to be good for, you know, probably 80% of data driven apps.
0: Yeah, um,
3: it sounds like a great rapid app tool. It'll yeah. get you to that to finish the initial line really quickly, get people's ideas validated, and then they'll come back and say, "Yeah, I want a different kind of UI or I want to attack this problem a different way." Yeah. But you've really you've made that first week so productive. Mm.
2: Exactly. Mm. And, and frankly, you know, probably 80% of apps out there, that's good enough. Yeah, yeah. that is good
3: There's enough. There's a
2: large class of apps where you don't need to have it everything custom, and so having some somewhere that can take you from, you know, zero to 60 in the development experience and keep you in a good place where you don't, you know, that that's that's a great win. And so, the whole
3: thing here is you don't want to have to start over at that point.
2: Exactly.
1: Well, that's where most people give up, right? Right in the beginning. If they can't figure something out, then that's it.
2: And the cool thing is all these features, the dynamic data, the MVC, you know, the WPF improvements, the Silverlight improvements um, – you know, the great thing is it all works with ES 2008. It works, you know, builds on .NET 3.5, and you know, you can deploy it on .Is 7. So it's, you know, it ends up you know the products that we're launching in the next couple of weeks, you know, really are the foundation for all these goodies that are coming out later this year.
3: Really, a whole new ecosystem of web development.
2: Yeah, yeah, and so it's I think it's gonna be an exciting time to be a .NET developer.
3: Oh, without a doubt. Uh, I also know uh, Internet Explorer 8 is gonna show up. No. Yes. Really?
2: Yeah. So You're it makes kidding. Uh, uh, Internet Explorer eight um, is going to be talked about. Wow. Um, and shown, and uh, I think you know people are in for some some cool surprises uh, as part of that project. It's it's come along nicely, and uh, you know, a lot of people are I think are, are really looking forward to finding out more information. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Me you know, in obviously particular. the team is going to be talking a lot more about that then. where those things are going. Wow. All right. Another question,
3: Scott Hanselman. Phil Hack Rob Connery <laughs> Who haven't you hired? <laughs>
2: uh,
3: <laughs> you got Scott's army forming in Redmond there What are you up to?
2: World domination no yes, right. Yeah, no kidding You heard it here, folks <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's, uh yeah, no, I point like, out
3: all folks that have been on .NET Rock So maybe we should blame ourselves <laughs> That's right, we
2: should just
1: funnel them to
2: you No, it's, uh, yeah Those of, those, uh uh, all great guys, and uh, very very happy to have them on the team.
3: And uh, okay. obviously working on some very interesting things. I've, you know, the, the funny thing about Microsoft is you bring every so often you bring these folks in that are are successful in their own right. You know, they didn't grow up inside of Microsoft, which a lot of people do, and uh, and they come at things from a different angle. I'm just very interested to see what what Phil and Rob and, and Scott all produce in the next uh, few coming years. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're watching oh, yeah. them.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's it's uh, when you're working on software, it's good to get different perspectives and different experiences, and you kind of mix that up, and, and oftentimes, you know, it comes out pretty nice. And so, um, you know, Phil, for example, is working very hard on the NBC framework. Um, you know, Rob Connery also has is, is, uh, been involved in the NBC world and the NBC framework, and uh, you know, Scott Hanselman has done a great job of kind of working across lots of different things, um, and bringing uh, some really good ideas and perspectives um, uh, to .NET. So it's you know it's been you know it's been great, absolutely great, having them all uh, on the team.
1: So now I also here at MIX, you're going to be sharing the stage
2: with Ray Ozzie. Yep, yeah, Ray and I. Uh, last year we did, uh, we both did uh, keynotes the first day, and so uh, it seemed to go really well. So we're going to do it again back to begin this year. All right.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. So I guess, you know, the keynote is the big thing that everybody uh waits for the oohs and ahs. It's gonna be pretty spectacular I hear this year.
2: I think it's gonna be pretty darn good. Um you know, it's uh it's a lot of work for the next four weeks to get ready for it. But right. uh um yeah, I think uh I think people are gonna have a lot of fun and I'm certainly looking forward to uh uh sharing some of the detail. Like there's gonna be some, some uh uh fun stuff that uh and a few surprises along the way.
1: Awesome. Well, and
3: I know we've spent enough time backstage around a keynote to know it's just an astronomical amount of work as opposed to this show where we just sit down and talk
2: <laughs> and mostly yeah, um, let you talk. Yeah, it's it's you know, when you have a couple thousand people in the audience and press and analysts and you know, cameras and all that fun stuff, you know, it it, it uh it's a little bit more formal than than the typical uh yeah. interview, but uh uh, you know, we we aim to put on a good show, and I I think I think more importantly than the show, though, the story is is uh, a really good one, and you know, you know, my job is just not to screw up telling it on stage. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, it's not the hardest thing in the world, but it uh, hopefully will be a lot of fun. Well,
3: you know, one of the things you talked about at Mix Oh Seven was the DLR and all the dynamic languages. where is this going to show up this year?
2: We're making good progress on the DLR. Um, so we've actually been doing lots of interim drops. Uh and so you know Iron Python and IronRuby Ruby are both running on top of it. I think with Iron Ruby we're passing about uh sixty percent of kind of the public um Ruby integration tests. So you know we're making progress on that. You know, every month the percentage goes up a few points. So uh so yeah, so we're we're making good progress there. Um and everything with the DLR, you know, both the compilers as well as the DLR runtime. Uh, we are shipping source to with buildable source. So it's it's been good both from a you know uh, technology perspective, but also from a process perspective. Um, there's been some good stuff there. Awesome. All
1: right, Scott, uh, we know you're a busy guy. We're going to have to let you go, but I just want to thank you again for stopping by and letting us in on what's going on up there in Redmond.
2: Cool. Well, thanks for having
1: me. And, hey, we will see you at Mix.
2: Sounds great. See you at Mix, guys.
1: All right. Take care. Awesome. Take care. Well, Richard, I'm real excited because our guest today is Matthew Manella. Uh, He's a software developer at Microsoft, works for the DevDiv Community Connection Team. And he started working at Microsoft in August 2007 after graduating from Binghamton University with a Bachelor of Science in Computer Science and a B.A. in Mathematics. At Microsoft, he has worked on standalone tools and Visual Studio plugins for developers. Recently, he's worked and helped launch the MSDN Code Gallery website, which is a new site that allows developers to share code in samples. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, DevDiv. What's DevDiv?
4: The developer division.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, you, you mean most of Microsoft? DevDiv. I <laughs> never heard that term before. How come
4: I haven't heard DevDiv before? It's where they put the uber geeks, the people who want to write programs for other geeks. Ah. It
3: is an interesting way to think. And of course, it's one of the things I think a lot of people miss about Microsoft is that mostly these are developers that build stuff for developers. And so, you know, they work in C++ a lot. Yeah. And they think about problems a little differently than than we do out in the
1: world building biz apps. So how did you get involved with Microsoft?
4: Um, so I was a uh, student in college. and. I was looking I was looking for a job actually my my first um after freshman year and I and I couldn't I kinda interviewed a couple of companies and I didn't realize that as a freshman in college I knew nothing and so those interviews went really badly and so I was pretty low in confidence. I worked in a day camp that summer and then <laughs> which is a far far cry from working at a development company and then the next year I was kind of my confidence was shot and I wasn't even applying anywhere and then I get an email from a recruiter saying, "Hey, can I have your resume?" And from there I just I got a job here for an internship.
3: Right. Wow. Just like that. So you interned with Microsoft first?
4: I interned twice actually.
3: Twice. So tell us a little bit about what an internship looks like. This is interesting.
4: Yeah. So the internship program here, I mean I, I mean I can't really compare it to other places, but it was incredible, you know. They you, you work here for like Two and a half months, about twelve weeks, and you, they give you real work. And it's basically, you know, there's one long job interview. They say, okay, you know, you're gonna have a cool project. You know, you're gonna we're gonna pay you a lot of money, <laughs> at least for a college student. It was, and you're gonna work like a regular employee. See what it's like to be here. And then if we like you, we'll ask you back.
3: <laughs> oh, and so cool. that, it sounds like they just basically throw you to the sharks. <laughs> yeah, you, you're in the deep end just like that.
4: Yeah, I mean, I was I was so nervous my first day. I mean, no one dresses up here, but my first day, I was wearing like like a dress shirt and fancy shoes. And you I were get, like I
1: running get, around sharpening pencils for people, were you?
4: No, yeah. it was. I get here, and the first thing they do is they say, "This is your office with with a bunch of disassembled computers," and they say, "Okay, set up your office."
3: Hmm. Ah, oh, so I'm wearing like dress a, pants it...
4: and shoes. I'm climbing under desks, hooking up like VGA cables. <laughs>
3: So, what did you work on for your first internship, Decide um, solitaire?
4: Oh, nice! No. I'm <laughs> over a free cell person, but
1: all right, <laughs> excellent. Spider is my game.
4: Yeah. So, um, my my first summer here, um, they I worked on a. It's actually it's on Codeplex. It's my first open source project, actually called um, um, Managed Stack Explorer. Um, it was a it's a program which it's you put it on any computer and it's meant to be used in like production environments and it will be able to get the stack trace and, and the thread listing of any program, any net program running. Nice. With without actually interrupting the program's execution.
3: Oh cool. That is cool. So you could actually monitor what the app's up to without interfering with it.
4: It just it will periodically quickly just attach onto it for a brief second, get the information it needs, and it lets go.
3: Huh. And yeah, and I, I found it on Coplex just like that, the Managed Stack Explorer. And, uh, yeah, a few people looking at it.
4: I mean, it, it's no, you know, super amazing, you know, popular app that's going to win me fame and fortune, but I would it think was a be, nice summer project.
1: I think it'd be great for analyzing real-time stuff that's very
4: hard to debug. Yeah, that, that was the idea behind it. it. For, like, someone who's running, like, an ASP.NET application yeah. on a server, and they can not they can't bring it down for a second.
3: Sure. Just to be able to go in, see what's going on. Yeah, it'd be very interesting, especially to, say, hook it into uh, an app that's in some kind of hung state or stuck state where your your normal interface to it isn't responding to be able to jump into the stack and see, where are you? What
1: are you doing? Before we get too far away from your bio, I was interested in the BA in mathematics. Is that like philosophy of math? Because I know a few math philosophers.
4: Um. Well, the, the 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 math I took could be considered philosophy. I took the abstract algebra stuff when I got higher up, but mm. my school the math is in the arts and sciences department, so they call it a Bachelor of Arts and Math.
1: Okay, so it is just your standard math degree. It's just in a different category.
4: Yeah, it'd be much more interesting if I studied the theory the theory of of why numbers are shaped the way they are. That's what training. I'm saying. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> why one? Yeah. Why one? <laughs> <laughs> so 12 weeks you crank out an app to go to Codeplex then back to university with you and then you came back for another internship
4: yeah I mean it was it seemed I enjoyed it and so I figure I'll go out again and try something and try it again see how it goes again
3: so hmm. what team were you with when you did the first internship
4: so I've been on I've been technically with the same people only all the people keep changing hmm Oh, same team, think. but different people and different team name <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> same building, same office, <laughs> same building that's the only constant I've had here
3: <laughs> okay, so Every yeah the buildings th- remain the same, everything else has changed
4: so i yeah. I keep sign i I came back to the same team like I thought I was, but then the the team's whole manage the management changed, and their mission changed
1: <laughs> musical teams,
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, I mean I've, I've had three different managers in my three times coming here. Twice as an intern and now as a full-time. Wow.
3: But always the same building.
4: Yeah, um, I know where this building is. Like, if they change that up, I'm, I'm lost.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so what was the second internship?
4: That was, um, I was, uh, that's when I started working on, with Visual Studio, writing a uh, extension for it. This is the
1: plugins for developers?
4: Yeah, um. This was a this was a cool project. I'm still trying to get it to, like, be alive and, and like, release a source code to it. It kind of, um, that's when the team started to fall apart. Like, people started leaving again, and there was no support behind it to push it out. But um, I don't know if you know much about um, In Visual Studio. There's a snippet format that, while you're coding, you can easily, like, just insert, like, pre-made blocks of code. Sure, sure. And so I made an integrated designer inside of Visual Studio to let you edit them, publish them to the web, consume them, and all from inside Visual Studio.
1: Ooh, wow, that's cool! I bet Michael yeah. Palermo
3: is your friend. Yeah, well, of course, it hasn't shipped, right? You were in, you were getting getting there, and then it just sort of—you need a certain number of resources to actually get the code mature enough to push it out.
4: So um, I think. Um, I, I think they, they, they try to release just the, just the binary, um, but like it never got to the point when um, we got it completely pushed out. Yeah, And I, re- I really, really wanted it to. So right now, now that I came back here full-time, I'm trying to like, contact the right people to somehow open source it because I worked for a lot of time trying to figure out how to get the extensions to work in Visual Studio. So I think I don't want other people to have to do that again. <laughs>
1: Hey, I just want to give a shout-out real quick to our friends at Data Dynamics who uh, make ActiveReports.net, among other really awesome things. ActiveReports.net is great because uh, it allows you to just build your reports with an easy editor, embed them right in your application, provide PDF and HTML output, give your end users a report editor, royalty-free, of course, a great access report upsizing wizard, and all this for a price that isn't going to break the bank net from data dynamics go check it out now at datadynamics.com so you know there is one thing i'm curious about when you do an internship at microsoft Do they give you like the night key can you like you know stay up all night eating pizza and drinking mountain dew and cranking out code in your in your uh, office or does everybody leave at 5
4: oh uh, people work weird hours and no i mean they never tell you to leave i mean people are here all hours wow as an intern, I had a friend who we'd go play tennis after work, and then he, when we got back, he's like, "Okay, I'm going back to the office."
1: Well, what about you?
4: Um, How was, what were your it, hours that that summer? So I was I was under the impression that if I didn't do good, I wouldn't be hired. So I I was working pretty long hours. That um, my first summer, not, but my second summer as an intern, I worked from like. 7 a.m. to uh, like 6 p.m., 7 p.m. sometimes.
1: Wow. So it must have been fun. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing it.
4: Yeah. You know how you get your head and in, 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 like when you start programming, you just lose track of everything I, until you get a massive I, headache and you have to stop.
1: Dude, story of my life, man. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I did that. I called it 1996. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're like that once. <laughs> oh, the memories. All right. So now let's get to the current generation stuff. So, an interesting history and a guy who's been obviously attracted to Microsoft for a long time. You land a, a full time gig, and out of this comes Code Gallery. Yeah. So, the MSDN Code Gallery, tell us the genesis. Where did this come from? Tell us what it is first.
4: Okay, so what it is, is a, a community site to share like, pride, the code. Like, instead of like what Coplex is for, the best way to describe it is comparing it to Coplex. Coplex is like, if you have a project and you want other people to work on it with you and develop, you put it there. But if you're just a developer and, a lot, and everyone does this and you're, just, you're trying to learn a technology and you work this, this sample out that has, has cool features but isn't completely polished and you just want to share it with other people so they can, they can look at it. You put that in Code Gallery so that any any knowledge you you learn isn't wasted just sitting on your box.
3: I get it. Yeah. So I mean, the whole point of Codeplex is really to get people to collaborate to build something. Yeah. And Code Gallery is just, hey, I got this thing. If you'd like
4: it, here. And you don't even need to have, sort, like if it's a tool you wrote and you don't, you don't want to really support it completely because, you know, supporting a tool is a whole nother effort. I mean, I mean, a developer, I mean, as, especially as I'm coming from college, you know, I would write stuff and I'd give it to my friends and if they asked me for help, I'd say, no. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm done with this. And so this is a place where you can put it up and this, you know, you can get feedback on it if you feel if interested in it and you can, and it's just a place for people to learn from others.
1: Is it a, it, what if what if somebody then says, "You know what I think I can do something with this why don't I uh you know why don't I take this home and knock it around a little bit? Can you then take it off and maybe it does become a project does it then would it then go to codeplex Yeah
4: I mean everything on the site is under the ms public license Now I'm not qualified at all because I don't know anything about licenses, but i'm I'm pretty sure you can do that with that.
1: Is there anything special about it?
4: um it what what I find really interesting about it is um the whole like the whole community features built into it that you know you can you have a full wiki ability so you can design like you can really describe what your thing is very well because just throwing up a binary source code is pretty useless unless you tell people how it works, yeah, so it gives you the ability to describe it very richly and then you get also like discussion boards and you even get an issue tracker which, Mm. you know, that may confuse saying, well, Mm. if this is not an ongoing project. But if you post something and people have, like, oh, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, maybe you'll be interested enough just to, you know, address those. Or somebody else would. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you
3: get to the point where, yeah, some somebody else could take care of it. You put it up there and said, yeah, I have no cycles for this. But if somebody else is using it and said, hey, I fixed this problem this way, at least there's a place to capture all that information so that other people who want to use it, you could end up with a project that ends up being supported even though you, you may have written it you didn't do anything to support it
4: and that's like the whole point of like that people seem to forget about development is that you know you don't never want to do something over again
3: right yeah write it once get it out there
4: yeah especially like i mean so many times you'll you'll go online looking for something and spend hours trying to find something and if we, now you know you know there's a place where people are putting tons and tons of stuff maybe you can find something that can help you
1: it seems like a good place you know just to sort of sort of throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks you know exactly no no pressure no nothing just you know here if any you know obviously the things that people are very interested in could could turn into real projects but Yeah, it's like a testing ground. Then
3: you move it to CodePlex.
4: Exactly. And where this actually, like when you said Genesis, this came out of um, Microsoft. There's, I mean, there's so many bloggers here. Uh, It's crazy how many people blog. And when people blog, they often blog about, like, pieces of code they wrote. And posting on your blog is where everyone did it. The thing is, that's completely not discoverable because you can't group things together. There's no structure. So if there's 10 different bloggers who post different, you know, C-sharp samples uh, I mean, it's, you can't see them all in one place. And now we're trying to encourage people on Microsoft and outside saying, hey, you can blog about it, but why not host it in a place that gives you discussion issues and full text and a better navigation so that people can find it more easily, not just wandering through random blogs.
3: So what are you – are you using tagging basically to create some taxonomy around the, the, the different samples? Yeah. So if I'm looking for C-sharp stuff, I just go to the C-sharp tags, and that's where I'm going to find things.
4: Yeah, and then you can drill down further by going to more tags and say, okay, I want C-sharp and, let's say, speech speech recognition. And you, right. get more, you can drill down as narrowly as you're looking.
1: How many projects are up there now?
4: So um, right now there's 66 published. It means that they're visible to the web. And there's currently 197 made. So the way the site works is that you can create something and you can get it ready by like modifying the text and adding files. And then once you think it's ready, like that it's at a state, when people can actually look at it and get something out of it, you click publish and then it becomes visible to everyone else.
3: All right. So you have time to tweak and get things ready. And then when you're ready, you make it visible and off it goes.
4: Yeah.
1: You know, I have about, uh, about 100 projects of my own that I've written over the years that I'd like to throw up there.
4: That's incredible.
1: <laughs> it's a lot of stuff, Carl. I just write code and then I forget about it.
4: <laughs> so how familiar, uh, Matthew, are you with some of the projects that are on here? Well, s- since I spend so much time on it, I feel like I'm a- very vested in making sure there's good stuff on it. So every day I kind of look at it and see if there's anything cool. And like, I've seen some really interesting projects show up on this. Like? Um, there's one called um Sticky Notes. It's an extension for Visual, Visual Studio, which is why it seemed interesting to me. That adds, like, kind of like a, a little notepad for you put notes about your what you're working on inside Visual Studio. That's
3: an interesting idea.
4: So instead of, you know, I always see in code people write, like, hack, to do, remove later. Right. <laughs> and then that gets shipped. Yeah. I <laughs> yes, have comments. I have
1: comments in my code, like, to do, make this not suck.
4: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tur- take out the suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah no,
3: I like the one that says this approach works but it sucks and then the code's there.
4: I've seen um figure out how this works. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh man. So the whole idea behind the sticky notes, I guess, is that I can put that into a form that won't get compiled in the app. Yeah. <laughs> well, where did this come from?
4: Um, I think it came for the from the Visual Studio extension team. Yeah, the VSX team made it. So they're they're the team here who actually um, works on you know making the API for extensions and and so the developers in that team I guess to learn how to. I mean, if you're going to work in that team, I figure you want to know how to do it. So they work in their own projects now. They have a place to drop it on, so other people can get it.
1: So tell us some other other projects that are really cool.
4: So there's another one that I, just so recently. It's called um WPF Fractal Viewer.
3: Ooh, what a great name.
4: So like this one's pretty interesting cuz it's using um something I didn't know anything about, the parallel extensions for for um the .net that lets you do parallel programming more easily. Oh
3: wow. Oh man, this is
1: cool.
4: It draws fractals and and it's completely parallelized, so the more cores you have, the faster it goes and you see different sections being drawn independently of others.
1: I wonder if that was a um a knockoff of a of a demo that um, I think it was Ken Spencer did for the uh, .NET Roadshow back in the earliest days of .NET. It was a a fractal viewer that had multiple windows and and he had a every every each window was running on its own thread and you could pause the threads independently and that was just a way to show parallel multi programming multi threaded programming.
3: Well, I mean, and the funny thing about fractal calculations is that they are completely parallelizable. So it's a great opportunity to demonstrate this stuff. But it's very interesting. I mean, we talked to Joe Duffy a while back about the parallel task library. So I think uh, this may be part of that whole mechanism now that we're getting more of this stuff built in and being able to, to try it out, even with CTPs and so forth. I mean, a great example of You'd never ship this as production code. It's just test stuff, but to show what's possible
1: with the technology. Yeah, do a lot of people use it as learning as a learning tool, learning resource?
4: I, I mean, it just it just started recently. I mean, the site launched like a couple weeks ago. So, oh wow! I, I hope they are.
1: Any feedback, um, positive, negative, or otherwise?
4: Um, most of it's positive, and we have. Um, if you go to on the webpage, help and FAQs, like our own page is just another like resource page in the site where people can discuss and file issues on the site itself huh so we mean we treat the whole site as another resource that people can file um like bugs against
3: it is just a wiki right so everything yeah. is a wiki mm-hmm. it's all editable
4: and so we've had I mean, there's a, three issues there and there's um working on it like there's a lot of things you know of course you want to get tons of things done but then you have a date so you just want to make sure you get it out
3: well, and you know, shipping's a feature too. Like get the thing out there and uh then try and prioritize the changes as they come.
4: Yeah, but as a developer, you just want to keep your your child inside inside the house and homeschool <laughs> as long as you can.
3: <laughs> Software is never finished,
1: only abandoned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's an old that's an old sawhorse an old chestnut here on the show. There you go. Yeah, Pablo Galliano is the guy who did the uh
3: the sticky notes. Uh, application. I just pulled up to his, to his blog as well and ran across another one he's thrown on Code Gallery called TTX Gen. Any thoughts on TTX Gen? Have you looked I, don't, at that? I
4: haven't seen that.
3: Oh, well, oh wow. you no. Know, more new stuff. Even you can't keep
4: track of it all. No. It went up, it went up yesterday. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, people here seem to be really adopting it, which is what we were hoping. Because we figure once we get people inside the company to really start pushing content, then it's like a snowball effect. Once people start going there for things, they will be more apt to post more content on it.
3: Makes sense to me. It's just a question of how the apps are ultimately going to evolve. On one hand, I think this is almost a snippets library. Here's a little chunk of code. This is what it does. Do with it what you will. On the other hand, you could see whole applications ending up up here that would be fairly complex.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the one thing is that, like, for a snippet library, this isn't the most – I mean, this is a little bit more too heavyweight for that. Like, if you just want to grab a little piece of code, this is going to feel clunky, you know?
3: Yeah, it's really about wanting more than that and, and that whole dialogue around it.
4: Yeah, I and mean, the community features were one of the main, like, pushes for this, that we want people to be able to talk about things that, that we push out or other people push out.
1: Now you say we push out. Have you personally got some code up there?
4: So uh, that's pretty embarrassing that I don't yet. I have this same as you. I have things on my computer.
1: That's that not embarrassing. I, just, I mean, you wrote the site for crying out loud.
4: Well, okay, so I can't I can't take credit for writing the site. I mean, this is based heavily off of CodePlex. Okay. Right? All right. And so you give credit where credit is due. They have sure. an incredible piece of software that the fact that we're able to go in there and it's completely modular and able to pull pieces out and rewrite things so that it works better for our situation. Oh, good. I just basically, you know, came in there and, you know, as, as like you know, loaned help to try to get this out as soon as possible. Okay. Yeah, uh, so it's actually
3: derived from CodePlex.
4: Yeah, and if you look at both sites, it, it it's, we don't hide it that well.
3: <laughs> no, it's sitting side by side. I think you changed a few fonts.
4: Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> at, at least four fonts. They're completely different fonts. <laughs> and the banner. It's a different banner. It's
3: red instead of green. <laughs> kind of has that .NET Nuke look to it. It does, actually. It's, uh, it's funny you point that out. I'm suspecting it's not based on .NET Nuke, though.
4: No, it's custom stuff. Yep. But yeah, so, I mean, you know, working with CodePlex, I mean, this is my first time ever touching ASP.NET. Wow. So, it was fun being thrown into a fairly large code base. It's tough saying large code base here when you have, like, Windows and VS sitting there.
3: Yeah, right. Word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about large code bases.
4: But, I mean, for me to be thrown into, like, an a Ace project that I've never done before and have to pick it up and learn the code base, I mean, it, that was really fun.
1: Yeah. Well, it just goes to show, if you know the fundamentals here, each of these things is pretty straightforward to pick up. Here's an interesting one, SOAizing MSMQ with WCF and why it's worth it. That's a great title. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Another descriptive title.
1: Really cool. So, So are some of these articles as well as code?
4: Yeah, we encourage the the people who put things up to really give it just do and put like full article, rich images, and describe it as much as you can.
1: Oh, and videos. There's a video with this. I found the Visual
3: Basic Link Video Series samples.
1: Yeah, and I'm 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 looking at this SOAizing MSMQ at WCF, and uh, it's got a blurb and what we'll cover, and there's watching a video, and you can read a download a doc and the code. It's pretty cool. Justin Wilcox. Is the guy who did that.
4: Well, yeah, we, just, we, we, we think like, this is really, I mean, an, anyone who, like, people, once you learn something, you always love to sh- like teach other people. Everyone loves to teach. Right. You know, because it makes you feel smarter. <laughs> well, you
3: also learn a lot by teaching. Yeah, you, get, you have to get committed to the material enough to be able to teach it well. But I also think it's great to brain dump it, get it out into a form where, heck, I, I can go back and watch it
1: again and remember what I did. Interesting. Link and named pipes some really good stuff up here.
4: The Link stuff, like so the sample I have that I want to post is a Link sample because when, when I first started like reading about Link, I, I thought it was the coolest thing since, you know, I'm not going to use sliced bread because that's too old, but coolest thing since, you know. .NET 3.5. <laughs> and so I started playing with it and I have, I have a sample sitting my computer at home that I just need to, you know, clean up and push out.
1: So, you know, not everybody gets to have an internship in Microsoft. You know, you, you sort of, are a fly on the wall in many cases, I bet. You must have some, uh, some entertaining stories to tell.
4: Yeah. Well, so interns are an interesting um, bunch because like you, you, are working here, but like you still kind of separate. And so the, the interns have their own events and their own discussions. And, and one of the, one of the events I went on, um, was to, there's a, to climb Mount Rainier, not climb, hike on it. And so it was me and a bunch of other interns, you know, going on a hiking trip on this big mountain. And this is my first time ever doing that. And I didn't know that it was actually snow-covered and steep.
3: Uh, Yeah, people (laughs) die on Renier. Wow. Yeah,
4: Yeah, so I'm going there in sneakers and shorts and a (laughs) t-shirt.
3: What were you thinking?
4: (laughs) (laughs) I don't appreciate that.
3: That was some flip-flops would have been good. Where oh wait, wait, Matthew, where are you from? I mean, obviously, you didn't grow up in Redmond, or you'd known about Rainier.
4: I'm from New York, Queens. Okay, oh, okay. yeah,
3: yeah. There's no mountains over there. Yeah.
4: No, there's there's no mountains, and all the snow is mostly yellow.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So
4: you were hiking. How far did you go? We we were, I mean, we were hiking like a f- few miles, and I'm not going to be the party pooper and say nope. <laughs> Can't go any farther. <laughs> I'm just going to let my toes fall off. <laughs> And, I mean, we were, like, I mean, it's not just hiking. You kind of are, like, climbing over pieces and yeah. getting up there. And, I mean, my, I've never had wetter socks than that in my life. I'm just surprised
1: <laughs> nobody stopped you and said, hey.
3: <laughs> well, of course, it's all interns, right? So then is anybody local at that point? They're all from different parts of the world. They don't necessarily yeah. know huh, where they are.
4: I had a feeling there was some emails telling us to prepare because everyone else seemed pretty prepared.
1: <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Hadn- hadn't done a lot of pre-reading. Matthew, I had I had a year like that once
4: too, <laughs> <laughs> and they had they had a lot of events like that. It's like you know, trying to build camaraderie between mm. interns because you know they want to make you feel like you're special so that you come and work here if they if they want you to. <laughs> sure,
3: yeah, but it's it's funny to see the dynamic is sort of interns grouped together. It's not so much as they're part they integrate with the team. Yeah. I guess it's just that it takes time for that to evolve, too. I mean, it's now you're on the other side. It's got to be kind of strange. When you look at an intern, what do you
4: see? I mean, I'm, it's going to be weird to see how, like, like do I, do I talk down to them? Do I let them know I'm better? <laughs> <laughs> like, I used to be you, but now I'm not. <laughs>
1: now I'm, I've gotten over it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so...
1: You know, I can remember going to work at a new company in Southern California and me being a Connecticut guy, right? It was, you know, the warm sun and everything, but it was Southern California's a little weird. I actually lived in the valley for 2 weeks before I realized there were big mountains there because of the haze. One day the smog lifted and there was mountains I walked outside and I'm like, "Holy shit,
0: what is that?" <laughs> <laughs> ah!
1: Okay. But uh then, you know, we we would uh we would do camaraderie building exercises by driving to the beach and getting red as lobsters and body surfing our, you know, until our, we broke limbs. <laughs> wow. You know?
4: so, I mean, there there is a bunch of interns, you know, and, and, you know, even though we're treated very well, there's always that whole mentality of, you know, intern, go get me coffee.
1: Yeah, exactly. Sharpen my pencils.
4: Yeah. yeah and so I, you always had a feeling that using you as an intern for entertainment. <laughs> Yeah, and like as as like a prop to like a um carrot top show. <laughs> nice. And so one time there was one of the interns a, a a girl, yeah, a girl at Microsoft. Um there's not many. Oh, okay. And um they had me and the girl arm wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a lot more to lose in that than she did. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, who I don't I almost don't want to ask who won.
4: Oh, I dominated. Oh well, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, it wasn't even close. <laughs> <laughs> I, and and I may be lying right now, but I'm not gonna tell you if I am.
1: <laughs> you kicked right. that girl's ass. Yeah,
4: she had nothing against me. <laughs> Way to go, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, her crying afterwards was a good thing.
3: Oh nice. Oh my god. Hey Danny Simmons has a project loaded up on Code Gallery called Perseus, the Entity Framework Entity Bag. Hey, cool. Yeah. That's a, a heck of a lot of uh, of Entity Framework stuff. Very Really focused on exchanging Entity Framework graphs back and forth over WCF. Hey, Rod Paddock's got one. Oh, wow. So, uh, half of the uh, old
1: guests of .NET Rocks have been on the uh, have been up here already. Rod wow. Paddock sample site this is the repository of code samples from Rod Paddock. I'll be moving my code from got.net very soon. Wow.
4: Yeah, since got.net site is basically dead they're pushing moving over all the things from there to this site.
3: Very cool. And that was uh when we did the open source panel in Vancouver. There was a discussion about got.net going away.
4: I mean it, that site was so old it came out like when .net came out and so I mean, it was time for something new, something better for the situation.
1: This is interesting. The office ribbon clicker one of the limitations of Office Ribbon is you can't switch the tabs programmatically and you can't click the ribbon buttons programmatically. So, this would be good for Mark Miller's Install Buddy program. You remember that, Richard? Yeah. Yeah. So, the Install Buddy is a program that Mark Miller came up with in his head, anyway, that would automatically push the next button for an install wizard. So, you know, it's just a little thing that sits in your tray and when you go to install something it just clicks the next and accepts the defaults and you don't have to yeah it was funny when mark told the joke (laughs) (laughs) Zing! install buddy hostable web core custom service iis7 hostable web core known as hwc is a new concept in iis7 to host a website or web service inside your own process and uh, there's a project up here that shows you how to do that. It's very cool. There's some good stuff here.
4: Yeah, hopefully there's people will start, more people will start going to it. Uh, there's hoping like, it gets better search engine rankings so that people will land on these pages when they search for anything dealing with these.
3: And, of course, it, it's not like the code is up here. It's an interesting problem with blogs is when you're just posting the code directly into your blog, code does not index well for search engines. But here we're not really looking at code. It's more about the descriptions you write and the conversations that have around the project. That's what's got to get indexed. And there's links to the code.
4: Yeah. And we, it keeps track of the download. So at least you know, like, if your sample is pretty cool and a lot of people are downloading it, maybe you should expand on it.
3: Yeah, you get some love. You yeah. Give love
4: back. Oh, Nothing's better than saying the download count go up.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's certainly true of CodePlex, too. Master page commands for Moss. Good stuff. Well, Matthew, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show. Thank you. And we certainly appreciate all the work that's gone into the MSDN Code Gallery. Thanks. All right, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. <audio às> .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Plop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services, online at www.pwop.com. Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft Development Technology with expert developers, online at www.franklins.net.